Okay. Hello. I mean, nothing has ever meshed more perfectly than, <laughs> than, I, than the pineapple prelude mixed with yeah. You Give Love a Bad Name. Yep, that's perfect. That's just right on. I figured you would love nothing more than a song you wrote to be mixed in with Bon Jovi. That's exactly right. Uh, spoiler alert, we did Bon Jovi this week. We did. Welcome in, everybody, to season four, episode eight. Because time is flying, and time is also a construct that doesn't mean anything. That's true. And honestly, I feel like everyone should feel you know very lucky that this episode is coming out, because... We started down the rabbit hole of trying to remake Star Wars with the Muppet characters. We, we did, right? And we could have kept had... having that conversation for like ten more hours. You're not. But we wrong. chose not to. Right before we we went live, that was our conversation, and it was it was really interesting. Kermit's not who you think he is. That's true. So, just throwing that out there. We yeah, were just combining... generally speaking, like not even in terms of the franchise. Like there's just there's something there's dark so, in Kermit's past dark that you don't know Kermit. about. And we were we were including both Muppets and Sesame Street characters. That's true. Just it was fun. It was wild. All Jim Henson properties. Right. Nick, how you doing today, bud? Anyway, you know, great now that we've had that conversation. I'm I'm really into it. Yeah. I'm ready was, to go. <laughs> Coming soon to a theater near you. Uh <laughs> I hope. Low Totem presents the Star Wars trilogies <laughs> as told by uh, the Muppets and Sesame Street. Amazing. You know, Disney already owns all those properties, don't they? I'm pretty yeah. sure you can find the Muppets and Star Wars on Disney Plus. So if you're well, listening, definitely Disney. Star Wars, definitely Star Wars. I, oh, I'm pretty sure the Muppets are on there, too. I'm Muppet, feeling really Muppets good about Sesame that. Muppets and Sesame Street, you think? Because HBO has Sesame well, Street. If we can if we can just get the Muppets, I think we can make it work. Wow. We're back talking about it. We should talk about the episode. I know. I know. Yes. It's right. just Nick and I so. today. So there's no one to rein us in for our no. for our craziness. Uh, but we had yeah. an interesting one. Before we get started with it, you know, we're eight episodes deep, so you know what I'm about to say. Thank you all for, for all of your appreciative comments and likes and, you know, letting us know that you do listen and that you like us or hate us, Thorby. Right. But, you know, we could use some more. We're we're uh, We're selfish beings who just like to be told how much you like us. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or anywhere else that, you know, lets you review. Yeah, written on the bathroom walls in a subway station, whatever. That's fine, as long as, you know, as as long as they know to listen. All publicity is good publicity. All publicity is good. Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Up to a point. Up to a point. We all publicity that I think we will get is good publicity, because, you know, we're we're pretty simple. Yeah. We're not we're not pushing too many too many buttons, I, I think. Well, we'll find out today. We may push some buttons today. Yeah. I have a feeling some buttons are going to get pushed today. But, I think so, too. Uh, please, you know, use the hashtag Totem Talks on all your socials to tell everybody how we're doing, to tell everybody about us, to to just say hi. Uh, you can use, you can just DM us at low underscore Totem to say, hey, I listened. That's all you got to say. We'll be like, hey, That's thanks. True. Thanks yeah, for that. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, a great way to get direct access to mostly Nick, but... Uh, Every once in a while, even I'll that pop is in. a little spotty. <laughs> but yeah. Well, it's the only anyway. way to contact you in on That's social true. media ever. That's true. So honestly, the fact that you're not all taking him up on that offer is egregious. I agree. But anyway, besides Bon Jovi today, yeah. we have two other artists. And they are Tracy Chapman and the Jaggers. Yeah. The Jaggers. And that's who we're doing. No relation to Mick. None none whatsoever. Not, not at all. Not even a little bit. Uh, which was something that I found out this week. Oh, you didn't know? I, I mean, figured I knew, they weren't but, related to Mick Jagger, but yeah. like to know it and to assume right. they're different. Sure, that's true. So I guess I'll I'll just take yeah, us right about in Bon Jovi. Here. So uh, Bon Jovi is an American rock band formed in 1983 in Sayersville, New Jersey. Sayersville, not Urs, just one Ur. Sayersville, New Jersey, uh, which obviously consists of John Bon Jovi um, on the lead vocals. And then David Bryan, Tico Torres, Phil X, and Hugh McDonald. That is the the current lineup of Bon Jovi. Uh, they've been right. active since 1983 to the present day. And are the three albums that we went over this week for them are Bon Jovi. So check number one, eponymous debut. Thank you so much for Very that, good. John. Uh, which came out in 1984. We followed that up with, of course, Slippery When Wet from 1986. And then we close things out with 2020, which 
Guess what year it came out, Nick? Uh, 1994. Wrong. It was 2020. You fool. It was right in the title. I was very close. Uh, but yeah, well, that's that's my whole blurb for them. So, uh, Nick, why don't you tell us your thoughts on their eponymous debut? I would love to. So, I'll start with a good thing. This album starts out with my favorite Bon Jovi song, Runaway. Runaway. Because um, it's got a really cool falsetto vocal part at the end. Uh, cool little keyboard stuff happening here and there. Uh, and even though it's my favorite Bon Jovi song, I never really go out of my way to listen to it. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, there's a 50-50 shot when it comes on the radio that I'll change the station anyway. But it's still my favorite. I just, you know, don't need to hear it that often, um, which pretty much sums up my feelings on this record. <laughs> I mean, and let me let me say, it's not bad. It's just hard, cheesy, hard rock, hair metal adjacent 80s sounds um, that just elicits no emotion from me whatsoever. Like, that's the thing about Bon Jovi is like, they're de- it just feels like so boilerplate glam hair metal from the 80s. And you know, it just doesn't do anything for me internally. Like, good music, I'll feel some kind of emotion about it. Like, I'll w- want to get up and dance to it, or I'll want to really think about it, or I'll feel like I'm, you know, the music is, I'll internalize it a little bit. This, none of that really happens for me at all. It's just, and I feel like any other 80s hair band could have probably written most of the those songs. You know. Uh, okay. Well, here's what I'll say. But the musicianship wasn't bad. The musicianship is, is pretty good at times. He, okay. Fair enough. Uh, Nick, we are well aware of your opinions on glam metal on this podcast. You are nothing if not consistent. I am. Uh, here's what I'll say. Is this album perfect? No. Uh, there are definitely some up and downs with it. It does fall victim to being a little cliche at times. Uh, it's it's relatively simple throughout um it's also their only album to feature a song not written by the band uh it's Mm. it's everything else is either written or co-written by the band but the song she don't know me uh which is on this album has nothing to do with them so they never even recorded it's not even on they never even recorded (laughs) uh for the most part though i understood where they were coming from with this album it's high energy it's really technically decent stuff um it's you know, John Bon Jovi at 22 is a really good singer. Uh, Definitely. Able to, able to really kind of accentuate that really wide range that gets even stronger over the next few years before kind of tapering off after that. Uh, a range that high when you're singing with that much power in it doesn't typically last that long, especially when there's Bon Jovi is well known for having like a ton of grit behind his voice. And as we just talked about um, a couple weeks ago, grit in your voice when not taken care of behind the scenes can really degrade over time. Sure. Uh, But I thought for the most part, it wasn't bad. It was probably the closest to like an average album uh, that you're going to get for glam metal. It's all kind of, kind of, it's, it's passionate. They know what they're doing. They know where musically they're going, but you know, it's typical. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, I it just feels like it epitomizes averageness to me. Yeah, they also maybe, I guess they couldn't possibly have known that just th- two years later they would release a song with <laughs> arguably a very famous shot through the heart line as the opening uh-huh. in You Could Love a Bad Name. And this song, Shot Through the Heart, on this album couldn't be more different. On this album, yep. it's like they're uh, kind of breaking the action. <laughs> It's right. it's way less intense than a lot of these other songs, uh, so it was very interesting to hear that and be like, "Well, I know what's coming." Right. Uh, but seriously, I don't have too much bad to say. It's not a bad album. Uh, it's we're gonna get into I my opinion, which is about Slippery When Wet when they peak. Like this is the best you're gonna get from Bon Jovi. Slippery When Wet, 1986, hugely successful album. If you know a Bon Jovi song, it is almost definitely from this album. You give love a bad name, living on a prayer, wanted dead or alive. Those are pretty much it. Those are the those are the big three. You may also know Runaway. Runaway is a pretty famous song from them. Yeah, but again, I think the music here is technically really good. I think John Bon Jovi has gotten much stronger as a singer now. Uh, just in between twenty two and twenty four. They often say the, the, the it's and it's interesting to me because Nick, we're almost there. They uh, they say the human male vocal range peaks around thirty. 
That's like okay. the best they're going to get. That's good to know. And a lot of opera singers and stuff like that, they won't even take you until you're 30. Or at least that used to be oh, like okay. the traditional path. Fascinating. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, so he's, you know, climbing that ladder. He's 24 years old. He's still young, but he's got a ton of range. Obviously, if anybody has ever drunkenly tried to sing Living on a Prayer, you understand that there's just a part where humans don't sing it anymore. You just can't do it. You just can't do it anymore. He's way too high up there. Um, yep. And that's good because maybe we shouldn't sing it. I agree. It should be sung by okay. them. But I will say yeah, seriously, for sure. I really enjoyed this one, um, mostly for the nostalgia of it. I, I recognize that a lot of it's nostalgia based, but I do think musically they're stronger. I think like passionately they're stronger. I think the writing is stronger. I think altogether it's a better album, although it's still, in my opinion, you know, and your opinion as well, I know glam metal doesn't necessarily hit the same depths of your emotion mm-hmm. as certain other genres of rock and metal, but it's probably the best glam metal you're going to get, I think. Yeah, I, I get that. Um, I didn't hate this album, um, but High I would praise. also never listen to it again. I mean, like... If any of these songs came on and I had the choice to to change them, I would. Like at a bar or a place where people are hanging out, if Living on a Prayer comes on or One of Dead or Alive comes on, that's fun and I don't mind. But I never really have any desire to hear any of the other songs on this record again. I think it's just very cheesy, very cookie cutter. I mean, like there are those moments on the hits where I think that the writing is better. I agree. But pretty much every song other than You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, One of Dead or Alive, most people could not name, That's and there's true. a reason for that because they're not that good. Like they're just not I, really good. Songs. I will say I forgot to mention. I think Richie Sambora sounds great on this album. I think his technical. I think his technical playing. I, uh, I, I Richie Sambora is the guitarist for the band at this point. Yes, and um, he's a very good player. A very very good player. I think underrated. Hundred percent. Yeah, I I agree with that totally. Like not enjoying the music really. They are a strong. Um, set of players like they're they're you can't take that away from them but i'd really just love uh to read one rolling stone review from a guy named jimmy gutterman okay uh and it goes like this john bon jovi and his band serve up condescending sentiment reducing every emotional statement to a barefaced cliche either because they think that's all their audience can comprehend or because that's all they can comprehend on slippery when wet bon jovi sounds like a bad fourth generation metal a smudgy Xerox of Quiet Riot. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, about that's... as rough as it gets. And you know what? They're not doing anything new. They're not doing like. But there's I nothing mean, about it that's particularly interesting. To to combat what you said before you bring us into the last album, please. Robert Christgau said that sure. basically his his thing is like. You know, sure, 7 million teenagers could be wrong, but their ascent is not without certain documentary satisfaction. It proves that youth rebellion is toothless enough to simulate and market. But who the hell thought youth was dangerous in the current vacuum? Would you have preferred the band Market Patriotism? And are you really immune to living on a prayer? Basically saying that, you know what? It's not good, but you like it It's not great. You like it. It's catchy. (laughs) It's in your head. Are you really? Yeah, and it is. What do we say? For the the one time that I think. I wrote catchy and fun, no substance. Yeah. The one time I I agree with Robert Chris Gower, and he's just like, listen, man, music doesn't have to be that deep. And I think that Bon Jovi right here shows it. Now, Nick, why don't you take us into where they get deep? Yeah. Okay. Well, 2020. So Phil X is now the guitarist. No more Richie Sambora. No. Um, a lot of it is refreshingly not hair metally at all anymore. Um, and now the lyrics on the last two albums, we haven't really talked about them, but they are not good. They're not like awful or anything, but they're like very basic. Let's go yeah. rock and roll lyrics. Like they're not. They're exactly nothing what you to them would expect from a lot of glam metal of the age. Like 100%. catchy lyrics mostly. The message is a little is unclear. Good about you just kind of yeah. insert your own message in there. Right. Okay. Except for so Living on, on a Prayer, where there's a distinct story. There's that an actual story, yeah. It's like one of the very few times. Um, they do, in fact, attempt to write about real things in 2020. And boy, do they do it in just the cheesiest way, man. Like, he really tried to write lyrics that meant something, and they are not good. Like, <laughs> they're just not good. It was bad. It was like, I'm gl- so glad, John, that you're trying. 
to like care about some stuff. And I respect that you're trying to put some thoughts and opinions out there finally, instead of just like, let's rock and roll. Woof, woof. Um, it was just the cheese, just all of the cheese that you lost by taking the hair metal away has returned fully uh, in the lyrics. And, and at the end of the day, I'm like, Bon Jovi is just the world's most average rock and roll band, plus just a mountain of cheese. Okay. I'm now going to take the opportunity before I review the album to say a little bit about John Bon Jovi behind the scenes, basically his entire career. He is well known as being an extremely philanthropic person, very into charity. He he's really involved in like donate. He's donated millions to like the Angel Network Foundation. He's rebuilt and rehabilitated blocks in North Philly. You know, he is. All about that. I mean, often people will say like, oh, they see Bon Jovi volunteering at a soup kitchen. He's always had his hands in social matters and things like that. Yes. And political activism, he has often been a part of as well. He, you know, he supported John Kerry uh, in 2004 and uh, he he was appointed by Barack Obama to the White House Council for Community Solutions. So he's he's always had his hand in this outside of Mm -hmm. music. So now he's put his hands into it inside of music, uh, specifically uh, the Black Lives Matter movement, the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's the subject matter for 2020, the album. And while I, I think there was a very definitive effort here, it's by far, message-wise, my favorite Bon Jovi album. The lyrics are rough. The lyrics, <laughs> okay, good. The <laughs> lyrics are rough. I was um, really worried you were somehow going to disagree with that. No, I, I I'm not disagreeing with it. I I think okay, that good. I think that the lyrics are a solid attempt to say the problems, but mm-hmm. I think the only my real complaint about them is they're just so on the nose. Yeah, they're so like they're so heavy handed, which I per, I really do think that's what he was going for. So like I'm not. I, it's yeah. hard to knock. It's hard to knock somebody for doing exactly what they want to do, right? I I guess so. Like I'm, just, uh, we're knocking it. We're not. We don't like. I don't like much. it. You don't like it. It was. But yeah. I do think that he was specifically trying to be super over the top, spe- specifically with Limitless. Uh, and okay. Like I think I think that. Or uh, I'm sorry, specifically with American Reckoning. That's the one that. Yeah. Uh, which is about George Floyd. Right. And I think that it's. A message that kind of needs to be talked about, but you know, it was very heavy handed. Um, yeah, and that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there I, was one spot where I was laughing out loud um, on "Do What You Can," okay, which was the, I believe the pandemic song. Yeah, uh, and he says something along the lines of "I'll keep my social distance, but the whole world needs a hug." And I was listening to that with Jackie, and we both just started cracking up together. Like, we just yeah. could not even keep it together. It was just too fun. It's an attempt was made. <laughs> an attempt was made. I, li- I like the messages. I like, yeah, I like I mean, what he was, I like what he was trying to say, just not what he was saying. Right. Um, yes. And now let's get into a little bit of the other behind the scenes stuff. All right. This is a much more stripped down album. It's a as you mentioned, it's not glam metal, which also means it's a lot less intense musically, and I feel like there's a lot less. Sure. I don't want to say effort because that seems like I'm like they're not being lazy, but I think there's a lot less technicality involved. So it's really hard for sure. me to gauge like the difference between Phil X and Richie Sambora. I'm assuming yeah, it's I a step down mean. just because I, I really think Richie Sambora is one of the He's one of good. the really good to great guitar players. Um, but I don't get that here, and also. John's voice is I don't want to say gone because like we've had a lot of people who have had gone voices. It's listenable. It's listenable, but it's very clear to me that he has lost so much of his range and is now just very narrow in his range. So everything kind of has to sit in that narrow register. Uh, And I, I mean, we've heard. I know we've talked about it before, Nick. I don't know if you remember about like the the quote unquote horror stories of like people going to Bon Jovi live in the last five years or so, and mm. and it, he'll try to sing some of his older songs and they, he just can't. No, there's no way. So I mean, he he definitely has lost a step vocally. There's been some some real vocal degeneration here, but it's listenable. It's not like it's not like right. the ZZ Top. It's not like Jethro right. Tull. It's not. Yeah. 
Which it's not Jethro Tull just came out with a new album. Oh um, god! And I, I listened oh, to it. Oh god! You, well, okay. You and you know what? They they processed I I think in a nice way Ian Anderson's voice, and he like kept everything within like four notes that he could still okay. sing. Okay. Uh, so it wasn't too bad. So they were smart about musically. It musically very good because they're all very talented. well. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't about Jethro Tull. Let's. Do you have anything else, or can we? That's it. I just I I wanted to give my my speech about this album and about who John sure. Bon Jovi is. Which is yes. why this album made sense to me. Sure. Okay. Well, Cultural impact on, yeah. is in the nines. Easily. They're huge. John Bon Jovi and Bon Jovi are both household names. The For band sure. even more than the person. Yes. They're, it's, yeah. I would easily be putting it's them huge. in like the 9-3 range. I was literally typing a 9-3. So, yeah. 9-3 I think makes sense. We're not in Breath like the elite of, work, of the elite, but... I mean, Nick, I 15 it's, albums, 130 million records. Yeah, it's going to be high. It's got to be high. And I don't even think I know you don't love the music, but it's hard to take away no. points for it. I wouldn't take away points for it either. Right. I would just leave it sit. So, I mean, we're probably so, up. I would be. Up, I'm up pretty in, close. Yeah. Where, where I'm are you close thinking? To like a nine again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking the high, high eights. I was thinking like an eight, nine, okay. eight, nine. It is. Yeah. You got it for 130 million records. You got to be up to. I, and I think they just, uh, even though they talent? didn't, I went real quick, yeah. uh, like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, because yeah. I don't want anybody to be like, why aren't they a nine with that much? When to get a nine, you have to add points for the music. Sure. Fair we enough. didn't take away points for the music, but we didn't add we didn't points add for either. the music there. Yeah. Okay. Instrumental talent, I think, is going to be another good category for them. I think they're very, yeah. very strong. I mean, particularly John Bon Jovi's voice and, and Richie Sambor's guitar playing are what sticks out. Yeah. The rest of the band is solid. Um, it's still a solidly, I would probably still be in like the sevens. I'm fine being there. Um, here, here's here's my thought process. Sure. Just based on the three albums we listened to, the first two albums, if they were the only two we listened to, I would probably be at like a seven and a half because I thought they sure. did really well. The last album with the the less intense music involvement to really not get a gauge of those new musicians and also with John's vocal degeneration a little bit, uh, I'm probably going to knock it down to like a seven two. Uh, I'll give them a, a seven three, just okay, because sure. I don't want to. I don't want to overweight the newer stuff. When, That's like fine. they were clearly very talented. Uh, we're just gonna like slowly slide down. I mean, yeah, the songwriting to me issues. is not impressive. Um, like, were they? Did they have like two or three moments in their career where they did something that was a little bit subverting your expectations for a hair metal band, and then that became their biggest hit, like "Wanted Dead or Alive," or yeah. even like the the um the voice box thing that. Richie Sambora does in the opening of mm-hmm. uh, Living on a Prayer that gets like a really unique sound. Yes. I, I think here's But is the thing. everything else that they've done completely cookie cutter that you could have heard from every other hair metal artist? Yes, it is. I I totally get where you're coming from. I I don't think they're uh, like they're an atmospheric score here. But when you have the songs that they have who, who, that are just everywhere. I mean, you give all the bad name, um Living on a Prayer Wanted Dead or Alive and Runaway also, and uh, like and a bunch. There's a bunch of others. There's too, a bunch but, of yeah. others, but I'm saying just what we listened to. Like there's sure. a bunch of other Bon Jovi stuff, like You Can't Go Home with Sugarland and uh, It's My Life. Like there's a ton of Bon Jovi hits. It's hard there to aren't. it's hard to knock them too much because each of those specific hits are unique in their sense of how absolutely gobsmack famous they are. Sure. So like, I, I'm not trying I, to go with a low number. I'm just. Telling yeah, you it's not a high number. Oh either. no, it's. I mean, I would. I'd be putting them in the upper fives. Uh it's but, a little high for me. Yeah, I understand, but the, the. I mean, you have to at some point attribute. Like we've we've done this before. Catchiness goes in this category to some extent. Yeah, catchiness I mean, look, look, goes. Look, I'll go category. as high as like a five six. I can live with it. Um, I I'll can still live give with, you on the the top half of the fives. I can live with it. I just. Yeah. I think when ninety percent like, of your career here, is cookie cutter. It's hard to if, but if ninety nine percent of your career is cookie cutter, but you have monumental success from your biggest hits, it there's there's an argument to be made. Okay, do you, do you want to argue that much harder to, I, to get I to mean, a five I seven? Would, I would be putting them a little higher than a five six. I think you get I, a five seven. Yeah, I think so. I think they deserve it. You get it. You don't get another anything else out of me. Poetic talent. I am going under the average. Yes, they are definitely under the poetic average. Talent poetic talent is not good. Um, I'd be willing to give them in the in the low fours. That's as high as I can go. And that's kind because of because most where of the time it's think. not like laugh out loud funny. There were a couple of moments on the last album where I laughed at it. That's that's kind of where I but was. It's leaning. mostly just boring and cliche. Yeah, there's a lot of cliche. Um, 
I was I was kind of leaning towards like the the lower fours myself, like but not super mm-hmm. low. Like you're probably like a four one. I'm like a four three. I I put a four two in already and that, moved on. That so that's perfect. Okay, uh, X Factor. I know you talked about a lot of the um, charity ventures that he's involved in, and yeah. I think that uh, that's all really important stuff. I'd be happy to I throw them a little bit of X Factor here for that. I think there's some stuff there too. I also think if you want to talk about some of the accolades. They, they've received multiple Grammys. They are... Right. I mean, that's cultural impact stuff, unless there's like some kind of really crazy award um, some... that we missed. Obviously, we didn't mention it. They didn't need the floor. They're in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Right. They are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if there's anything else that's jumping out at me other than the fact, other than the charity stuff, which I think is cool um, and definitely should be included here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get you. I feel like I just... I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's something that I read well, that I'm we can missing. Revisit it. Um, it's too late. Bon Jovi acts in movies. Too late. Good for him. So, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? Good, a half a point? Good for him. Yeah, no, half a point's fine. You got it. Let's move on to Tracy Chapman. Tracy Chapman is an American singer songwriter uh, who has been active since 1986 and is still active today. 86 to the present. Excellent. And the three albums we did are, get ready, Nick, Tracy Chapman, an eponymous debut album from 1988. Followed that up with New Beginning from 1995. And then we closed it out with Our Bright Future from 2008. Tracy, if you only knew after 2008 what, uh, what our bright future was. What, what a bright be. future was ahead, yeah. Ha. I'm waiting for her 2022 album release. Just kidding about that bright future. Yeah, thing. yeah. Yep, that was all, that was all a lie. Uh, but I guess I will just keep cooking right into the yeah, debut album please. here. Tracy Chapman is, upon first listen, extremely mellow. That's mm. the that's the one word you could use to describe her music. It's very acoustic. It's folk, but almost, and I mean this in a way that it's hard to describe, like a stripped down folk, as in not super energetic. Like folk music is simple, is simple usually simplified playing and simplified, you know, range of lyric and things like that. Or not lyric, think range of uh, vocal, not necessarily lyric. They're usually pretty deep. But Tracy Chapman is literally just like an acoustic, very little other than that, typically. And it's really, really good to listen to because it, it forces you, when there's nothing covering the words and the vocal, it forces you to listen to the words and the vocal. There's nothing to hide behind. And I think that the words and the vocal are two things with which Tracy Chapman absolutely excels in. We just did Bon Jovi, where we talked about killer vocal, not a lot of substance to the lyric. Tracy Chapman has a killer vocal in a different way. She's not wailing up there like Bon Jovi is, but she has this emotive quality to her voice. Um, And also her voice is very deep. So yeah, I was. It's like it's one of those very androgynous voices where yes. if you don't know the artist, it's like I don't know. Yeah, I can't she's like a full contra alto in a lot of ways. Yeah. Who does have a little bit of a high range, as we'll get to, I think later on. Uh, getting into the 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 kind of meat and potatoes of this album, uh, the second song is "Fast Car," which is the song that put Tracy Chapman on the map. I, you know, she sang this at Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. It's it's uh, ranked the 71st greatest song of all time by Rolling Stone. And it deserves it. It's an incredible song. It's a very, very harrowing song to listen to. It's so simple to listen to. It's got that one riff that basically plays the whole way through. But the lyrics are so depressing of just this girl who, like, gets with her boyfriend and... He's just out drinking with his friends. She's taking, she's working and paying for everything and taking care of the kids. And is like, I could just run away, but like, I'm not going to do that. After I had to spend my life, you know, taking care of my drunk dad, you know, like I just, I dropped out of school to do that. And now I'm taking care of this guy. Like very sad to listen to, Mm -hmm. Uh, which speaks a lot for Tracy Chapman as a writer. And I think the, the sheer thing that like, the disservice that Fast Car does to Tracy Chapman is that it got so big, most people didn't listen to the rest of her stuff, which is just as deep. Yeah. Every song is talking about something and is saying it very well. I agree. Yeah. 
Uh, and I'll just jump in. I mean, what a refresher it was to hear really good lyrics throughout on this album after the three Bon Jovi albums. That that helped so much. And and I don't have too much else to add to what you said. It's just uh, I, I think it's funny that she initially had a hard time getting a producer for this record. Yeah. Because she was signed by the record label and all of the producers that it was being shopped around to, I guess, were like, oh, synth pop is what's in right now. So I want to do more synth pop records. Yeah. What a missed opportunity to be involved in a record that is great. <laughs> I, I do <laughs> think, though, I do think there is, I don't want to say merit to them, but I do think Tracy Chapman was very out of time because I think that she sure. missed the 60s and 70s folk movement and I think she was right kind of before the almost renaissance of the singer-songwriter as we move into the 90s. Right. Well, and guess what? She must she have kicked it off because it, yeah. this album sold 20 million copies. It's, like and she It was is, pretty damn popular. She's one of the first female artists to ever sell more than 10 million, 10 million yeah. records. Right, which is awesome. And uh, I thought that this album was really rangy, too. Like, it's not just folk, like you said. Like, it's yeah. folk, but it's also soft rock. It's also, there were reggae elements in one or two yeah. of the songs. There are acapella parts going on. Like, it's a really creative record and it's very strong from front to back and you'll never get bored with it uh and so i will just jump right into new beginning which is the next record and this has the other tracy chapman song that's really famous give me one reason give me one reason yeah. so those are the two songs by tracy chapman i knew going into this um and it's funny that give me one reason is the other one that got so popular in fact it was like her most popular song in the united states i think the single went like double platinum yeah um and it was it was huge it's probably her simplest song uh, in terms of that, it's like just a very simple blues song stripped back. It it just goes to but show the beautifully power done. Of blues. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> but it, it really is beautifully done. And this album, one of the ways that it grows, and uh, it's really good. So I'll just get this out. I also really love this album too. Yeah. Uh, great riff writing. So Tracy Chapman, not just a singer, not just a lyric writer, not just a songwriter plays guitar well and writes really well for the songs. Like the music mm -hmm. is really well written. The instrumentation is always thoughtful. You again get a really nice wide range of sound that we can go back and call it generally a folk record, but you're going to hear way more than that. Sure. Uh, so yeah, this album demonstrates growth. You can tell that there was growth from it right away. Um, like and even the average listener, I think, could hear like very simply right away like how much this artist has developed over the years. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, there were good harmonies throughout. Um, Tracy brought in more people to do some backing vocals on which this is record, rare. which was it's a little a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's done again, really, really well. Everything about this record is done really well. And I, I think if you liked the first record, you're love, you'll love this one too. So you should check out some of this other music. Or if you only know the two huge Tracy Chapman hits, I would urge you to listen to the rest of the records. A hundred percent. Okay, moving into... Obviously, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. So, I'm not going to repeat everything you said. Uh, I agree this album is just as strong, if not even a little stronger at times, especially with the, the fact that she did add in a few more elements and still kept the integrity of the lyric and the integrity of the vocal and the simplicity behind everything. Uh, I think that that's really good. The I, I think there's two things where I think she got even stronger. Her specific voice, and, and by voice I mean her message got a little bit more jagged, a little bit more biting. Uh, there's a song here, trigger warning for track seven here, called The Rape of the World, which is just so, in, like, it's an it's an environmentalist song. Right. Of just, like, that's what we're doing to the earth. We're just mm -hmm. taking everything and we're leaving a husk. And it's just so well put and so succinctly put. And it's strong language, but it's strong language because it should be. I agree. And I, I really I really give her some kudos to that. And the other thing here is this album was not without its controversy. So this album features a didgeridoo in the, oh, in yeah, the track yes, New Beginning. Yes. I forgot and about this part. Tracy Chapman was taught to play the didgeridoo at, and I, I love that this exists, Didgeridoo University in Alice Springs. But it's very taboo in many Aboriginal nations, which her music is, you know, popular with because of a lot of the stylings that she uses. Right, and the didgeridoo is, of course, and the didgeridoo is, yeah, is it's played people. and performed exclusively by men. So it was kind of a controversy, kind of a little bit of an uproar from them. Even though 
she is not credited with playing the didgeridoo on this album. Scott Rowe is credited with playing the didgeridoo. Mm. So I'm not sure if it's just that she was singing over a didgeridoo that's the problem, or if maybe they right. added, you know, maybe she, maybe they cut her playing it because, it, or maybe it, they it, just put a different name on it just so right. to avoid the potential controversy. So there's there's definitely some some question marks there and some controversies of of the didgeridoo in New Beginnings and Tracy Chapman's involvement in the didgeridoo. Right. Uh, but I'll take us into our bright future, which is just a lie. Um, <laughs> there's a couple things here. This album's from 2008, so there's really no point in talking about vocal degradation. Right. She's, I mean, it's, she's obviously still can sing at this point. She's, you know, 45, I think. Right. Yeah, 44, 45, early 40s. There's, you know, she hasn't lost a step vocally at this point. Um Writing-wise, I think she's still right up there with where she is. You know, writing about these important things to her, these important messages, and I think yet again doing it in a really in really impressive way. And all three of these albums have been nominated for or won Grammys, and it's well deserved. I don't want to I don't want to beat your ear anymore. Uh, sure, but very enjoyable stuff all the way through. Very consistently good from her. I agree. Um. I will say this album compared to the first two, I think was most in the traditional folk lane of the three. But that being said, like it was in that lane without any diminished creativity in her approach to songwriting. Right. So that was, it was still not in any way conventional. Like I would never describe her songwriting as conventional. A lot of great guitar lines. And like you said, all, all of the writing about pretty much in every aspect is still really on point. Um, and very strong. So, yeah. Without further ado, let us uh, let's give out some grades. All right. So, cultural so, impact is interesting. It is. Um, she. I think she's more than a two-hit wonder. The I the agree. Success I, and the sales would indicate, would indicate that she's more sure. than that. Yes. Just to to clarify for everyone, um, not only are all these albums going uh, platinum or multi-platinum or gold, at least in the United States. But they're also very popular throughout um, most of Europe, Canada, yeah. Australia, New Zealand. Like there's charting and they're certifying all over the world uh, quite a bit. Like so everything is is being successful everywhere. Yes, uh, that is very true. Um, it's interesting. It's hard to say where to put her, though, because I, I think that while I think she ranks higher than a two hit wonder, which would just be a two. Sure. Her sales, I do think she's under the average. I think that's fair too. Um, I think one other thing that's maybe a little bit interesting is like Tracy Chapman has never disclosed publicly what her sexual orientation is, and it's been like yeah, a an little object bit of, an, of an wonder. Enigma. But Alice Walker apparently came out. Alice Walker, the author who wrote The Color Purple, yes, which is a great book, you should read it. Um, came out and said that they were in a real relationship in the 90s, but. Tracy has never wanted to confirm or yeah. deny or like just be a part of it at all, which is, I just think interesting. And Alice Walker, if you know that Tracy doesn't want to, to talk about it, don't say it. Well, that's, but anyway, that's just an, a point of interest. Don't um, out in people is a very good Definitely. message to have. Don't ever out anybody. Yeah. Why would yeah. you? Why do it? Yeah. Don't do not it. Not for you to do. Only person you should out is yourself. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's got to probably still at least be into the threes with sustained popularity around the world. For sure. I was actually going to say maybe like a high three, like a three eight or three nine. Um, I think yeah, that sustained popularity, that. the sales, I just think that yeah. the name doesn't have a ton. I agree. Uh, so I'll give her the three nine and we'll move on. Sure. The sales definitely will help out with yes. breadth of work because uh, that we've got. Um, really strong quality all the way through. I think she absolutely nails it on right. that part of the pillar. So first off, there's think, eight, eight albums. So we're right, over the eight average. Albums. So we're over the average, really strong quality bump. And pretty much all these records are going gold, platinum, or multi-platinum all over the world. Right. So that's a, a strong sales bump as well to me. So I would probably have this number closing in on like seven. I was actually thinking a seven myself. Okay, I good. think I think it's I think that's a good number. I think all three pillars are strong. I think mm-hmm. you know I think that the the lack of total sales like she's not hitting the hundred plus million records sold. No, but I think the 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 success of Tracy Chapman the album and then the renewed success of New Beginnings both of which 
were extremely well sold and well received throughout the world. Right. Kind of, kind of make up for that a yeah. little bit. Plus, I mean, Tracy Chapman did sell twenty, like the album sold twenty million copies by itself, and which is getting millions and millions rare. on top. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's good. Instrumental talent is also above average to me. I mean, I think she's an above average singer, and I think she's an above average guitar player. Yeah, I, I can, I can get behind that. I'm not gonna be outrageous on this one, but I do think it's enough to get her up into the high fives to low sixes range. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine putting her in like the. Maybe like a six even, honestly, like right right yeah. at that point. I, I agree with that. Uh, now, these last two categories are really strong to me. Yeah. I mean, there's so much range uh, without ever settling on any kind of conventions and without ever losing quality of song throughout all of these records that I would struggle to be below eight. For songwriting. Okay. Yeah. Let me put it to you this way. I could, I, I'm not giving a number. Sure. I think there's an argument to be made that at times the songwriting can be a little bit simplistic. I think I think that the lyrics are by far the stronger suit here, and I think that sometimes the songwriting, specifically in the I, first I, album, sure, can take I think a the, little bit are, of a backseat at times. What I would say to that is just that on the handful of songs that were more musically simplistic, they were always exploring a different genre or sound sure. so that the record had like eight or nine songs that were all feeling like they were a very different uh, avenue that she was exploring. I, I want to be clear. I'm not arguing like you're you're not arguing an eight and I'm arguing a five, but sure. I would probably like I've said this before. I think when you get to an eight, you are talking about like the best songwriters in the world. And I, okay. I don't think Tracy Chapman is in the best songwriters in the world. It has to I be in the high sevens. I think she's in the high sevens. I think she's like a seven, six or above. Like, I'm fine with okay. that. I just think I'll give that, you like, seven, seven. That's you can for, bring me that's down to seven, seven. Yeah. I think just eight, Poetic Town, I think, is a little much. I, yeah. Poetic okay. Town, I, I would I be putting it. her in the nines. Poetic Town, we're, we're way up there for this as well. Yeah. I, I would be putting her in the nines. Fully I think there, there is so much emotion involved. I think there's so many different points that she's trying to make that she does such a good, a good, job of of pointing out to the world i think that she was absolutely not afraid to get either political or social in any of her right. songs and or personal or personal in any of her songs she wrote with a raw emotion but also at many times would use the metaphors so it mm -hmm. never kind of beat you over the head like i said i i really enjoyed the message of 2020 from bon jovi i enjoyed that bon jovi was weren't. choosing to do yeah. something it was just the message that for sure was rough. So I think that this is very well done on all counts. Yeah. I mean, how high into the nines do you want to go? You I don't have to argue with me too hard to get to get up there. I think that here's the thing. We rarely give out tens yeah. in this category. We gave out a ten for Phil Oaks. Right. I think that if I compared Phil Oaks's writing to the writing of Tracy Chapman, I'm not far off. But I would give right. the edge to Phil Oaks. Fair. Because Phil Oaks did something that Tracy Chapman doesn't do. Phil Oaks. Which is, it was also funny. Yeah. That's, and that's what yeah. it was. He was, <laughs> he wrote with all of the same messages and emotions, mm -hmm. but with more wit to kind of disguise Correct. it. So the simple listener mm -hmm. of Phil right. Oaks tracks could just be like, ha ha, fun music. And yeah. then also, like, that song could literally be making fun of them as they're listening right. to it and liking it. Yeah. But if Phil Oaks is a 10, or she's got to be a 9 5. Okay, I I have no problem with a nine yeah. five. I thought you were going to go even higher with the just the shade off of Phil Oaks. I mean, I could I could argue up if you're feeling that. I just, I was thinking you were. I thought you were going to go closer to like nine seven nine eight. I could live. I could I could easily live in the nine seven range. I just I wasn't uh, sure done. where you were. So nine seven yeah. works. No, no, that I'm with it. Um, was there any X factor here? I don't think so. I think I I think there I think there should be. Oh, you know, I mean, we could give her like a half a point. For you know, having an album that sold twenty million—that's a rare feat. Yeah, it is. We definitely have have talked about that before. Yeah, um, or just being one of the few women to have records that sell over ten million copies, like as a solo artist. Sure. Actually, you know what? I'm. We gave Bon Jovi a half a point for his activism and his philanthropy. Mm -hmm. We should be doing the same thing for Tracy Chapman. Okay. She yeah. is extremely politically and socially active. She often performs at multiple different charities. She loves to perform That's at charity true. events like Make Poverty History, AMFAR, mm -hmm. AIDS Life Cycle. 
She's like a well-defined feminist. She played at Nelson Mandela's 70th birthday. There's a yeah, ton of stuff here right. for Tracy Chapman. I might even argue a full point for her. Okay. Like playing uh, Nelson yeah, Mandela's 70th and, and like... That's a pretty huge event. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you. Full point. And we'll move on to the Jaggers. The Jaggers are an American rock band from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and they have been active... Uh, starting in 1964 to 1977, then again in 1989 to the present day. And now that we've officially said where all three artists are from, I think it's funny that all three artists are like less than eight hours away from each other driving. Yeah. Like they're all super close. We had Cleveland, Ohio, Sayreville, New Jersey, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Keeping it close now. All close. We're right in the middle of hell of them. Yes, we are. Well, maybe not right in the middle of all of them. We're not in the middle, but we're... We're close. We are in... The middle, but not the exact middle. Right. Uh, so apparently, as uh, I found out by reading about it, uh, the band's name has nothing to do with Mick Jagger. Correct. And instead has to do with the Pittsburgh English slang term, a Jagger bush, which just means a thorny bush. Yep. Okay. Pittsburgh. That's What are you doing? <laughs> we, we rarely Look, know this what Pittsburgh po- This podcast has not openly come out as anti-Pittsburgh, but just let it be known that we're anti-Pittsburgh. <laughs> We're only anti-Pittsburgh because we're from the Philadelphia Just, area, the, and they're, that is they're on the opposite side. So, like, we're on... Yeah, we're they're on, our rivals. If 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 Pennsylvania oh, is rival- a dodgeball court, you know, they're on the opposite side. we got to throw the ball Exactly. I would very much actually now like for some, like, third-rate nobody band from the Pittsburgh area to start the same exact podcast, and we can compete against them and see I, who does it better. I love it. Well, we'd have to do it better, or it would be the end of our lives. That's true. You're right. <laughs> Okay, Nick, uh, you have to start talking about the Jaggers because I talked about Tracy Chapman first. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what their first album was, and thank goodness it's close enough to eponymous. It's called Introducing, it's introducing the, Jaggers. the Jaggers. It's eponymous. We did We're it. We're taking it. We did it. Woo! We did it. Super yes. happy. Uh, so my first note is, of course, the band is from the worst place on earth. And this um, album came out in 1969. It did. We went to the um, moon that year. That's right. Or is it? Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. We did. We went to the moon. Here's my one problem that I have with this record. They only wrote one song. Yeah. But their covers are strong. Um, It's a really good vocal group. Like, they are strong singers. One thing that, I mean, I listened to the first four songs. And I'm like, okay, these guys are pretty good. And then I saw that they, the next track coming up was Higher and Higher by Jackie Wilson, which is like one of the great vocal songs. Uh-huh. And I was a little bit nervous. And you know what? It's not a great cover, but they pulled it off. Like if you went out and you saw this band live and they were able to pull off that good of a version of Higher and Higher, you'd be like, wow, these guys are really good. Um, Speaking that's of which, such a, such a bold show where choice. we will be doing Higher and Higher. Yeah, uh, it was a bold choice, but I think it paid out. Uh, paid off for them just to show that they have the range. The harmonies are really good on this record. Uh, honestly, the the soulfulness that they bring to a lot of these songs reminded me like but also blue eyed soul reminded me of the rascals from earlier this sure season. like sure. it was i think they're a really good group to compare to the rascals uh and give a little love would be my choice cut i think from this record okay uh i don't have too much different to say uh obviously a little disappointing that it's all covers uh it's very typical of the time unfortunately you know the 60s uh, the Although this is the late '60s, it's still kind of that period of time. Uh, I was interested in in some of the way they chose to kind of change up their covers. "Ain't No Sun" is a good one. I mean, they obviously Bill Withers is, is credited. They were very inspired credited, by yeah. "Ain't No Sunshine." It sounded like a totally different song. To me. It did. It sounded like they pulled some of the lyrics mostly, yeah. and then had a different tune. It was good. It was it was really good at times from a performance standpoint, but. The lack of originality at times kind of pulled me out of it a little bit, especially when like when I get into a cover album and I feel like it's very common. I feel like everybody does this. Hopefully you got to compare it against the original. Sure. And I think that they shot about 500, you know, Mm -hmm. about about half the time I was like, you know what? I would I would listen to this or the original. And about half the time it's like, "Ah, give me the original. Higher and higher, give me the original. They did good, oh, give me absolutely. the original. Ain't No yeah. Sun, they did good, give me Ain't No Sunshine. Like, give sure. me the original. It's a better song. Sure. So, you know, 50-50. Moving into We Went to Different Schools Together. Great album title. 
yes, great album title. Uh, a lot more written by them. And then there's one song that's not written by them that is <laughs> the <laughs> most egregious plagiarism I've ever heard in my life. Because they do, with a little help from my friends, obviously a song written by the Beatles. You know, it's a Lennon-McCartney song. This came out in 1970, this album. You know what came out in 1969? Joe Cocker's I version do. of this song. And you know what this is just a straight ripoff of? Joe Cocker's version of this song. It's so much of a ripoff, like they have to be in on the joke. Like, they yeah, have 100%. to be. So like, They know. They they definitely are doing it like because they're doing an impression of Joe Cocker doing this song mm-hmm. and everything, yeah. including the intro, like including the like the in, the specific instrumental intro that Cocker has on his version is like note for note. And then uh, they come in and do a very characterized Joe Cocker impression. It, it, it like I'm going to choose to believe that it's a farce, that it's a it's a comedy, yeah, that they're it, doing it on I, purpose. I think so. Otherwise, throw them all in jail, right to jail. Sure, right, right to jail. Uh, now the rest of this stuff here is mostly written by the band. Yeah, with their their manager co-writes some of it, but it's it's yeah, the band. That is correct. And what I will say, it's mostly good stuff. Uh, they're still using their harmonies. They're still using you know, a really good vocal sound. And this does include their only hit, The Rapper. Right. Which is why it became their highest selling album. Correct. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I liked listening to it. I enjoyed my listening for this week. You know, getting to the Jaggers, I was a little nervous because I had only, I had only heard of them. I had never heard any, I'd never even heard The Rapper. Okay. And I, I enjoyed the listening, but I'm, I'm, I listened to them this week. And if you asked me to sing back any of the songs I listened to by the Jaggers, I would not be able to. Okay. I just, none of them stuck in my head, like at all. And I picked up new songs by Bon Jovi. I picked up new songs by Tracy Chapman. Both of them got added to my playlist. Well, yeah. Well, Bon Jovi well, didn't get added to my Chapman. playlist. Tracy Chapman, no, no, Tracy Chapman, real. all of her albums got added to my playlist, and the Jaggers. Yeah. I finished listening to them. I have nothing but positive things to say about them. You know, at least these first two albums. We'll get into the third one in a little bit, but like I, they're they're gone. They, I might as well not have listened to them. Right. Okay. Interesting. Well, the rapper I've always I've known since I was a kid. Uh, that's yeah, but you were born in nineteen forty one. Yeah, that's true. It's been around forever, but. And I love that song, and it sold a million copies. It's a great song. Um, I really like this album. I mean, obviously, like the With a Little Help from My Friends cover was kind of ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Absolutely crazy. But, yeah. Uh, but there's some interesting stuff about it. So one, for instance, their song Memoirs of the Traveler, which is a, a really awesome song. It's uh, been sampled by like 10 different rappers as part of um, whatever other songs that they've done, which ironic, they didn't use the rapper, not the rapper. They didn't use the rapper, but they used memoirs of a traveler. That's just like a popular song to sample. Um, and I really felt like in their writing, which is definitively their writing at this point, I felt influence of pop music. I felt influence from rock music, from blues yeah. music, from soul music, from vocal. Groups. There's definitely a wide like, range of, of it's a really influences. wide range of stuff that they do for sure. And that's why I think again, it compares well and, uh, and I mean this in like a positive way for both bands. It compares well with the Rascals because it's got all those different uh, elements to it. Um, and the song Carousel is the one that I will stick out. It's the one that I didn't know, but I really liked a lot sure. uh, from this record. Listen, I Uh-oh. I have written down on my notes all good things. All sure. things that I enjoyed about these first two albums. But I'll give you a little bit of the behind the scenes to the audience. Sure, sure. The way my brain works is that when I'm we're going through these things again and I'm reading the track listing, the songs are like playing in my head. Uh, okay. Especially since I heard them like I have a very audio centric memory. I like and Nick will tell you I'm terrible with lyrics. That's true. But I have a very audio centric memory. But uh, but uh, as we've mentioned before, I'm really good at memorizing lines and songs in like musical theater. Like when I'm like mm-hmm. performing in musical theater, I got it. I'm very quick to get it. Lyrics even lyrics I wrote, I, I if I'm I'm like do words are are sung here, right? <laughs> so, uh, but but they're playing in my head, and like legitimately, that's the first time I can remember where I'm 
I'm I'm looking at the songs and the track listings, and it's just like like record drop. There's nothing's happening. Right. So none of them stuck okay. in my head. Are you ready for this though? Are you ready, Cause, kids? Yeah, because before we go to the final Jaggers album, it's it's that time of of the week for our six degrees of Totem Talks. So Donnie Iris, who is a member of the Jaggers. Yeah. would leave the Jaggers after, I think, 75. Uh, and he went on to join the band Wild Cherry for their hey. final release, Only the Wild Survive. Now, hold on, hold on. He joined Wild Cherry with uh, a guy named Mark Avsek, who, in fact, wrote the song She Don't Know Me from the first Bon Jovi album, which is the only Bon Jovi song that what? was not an original. So how about that? Look, it all comes back. It's a big circle. Look at you. And wild, Nick, right? So at his final Wild Cherry performance in the front row, Tracy Chapman. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Prove me wrong, audience. Yeah, I, I can't. Uh, but that's pretty cool uh, that that all just happened to come together this week. Yeah, that's hilarious. Great pull. Great pull. Yeah, thank you. I want to let okay. you know I came really close to hitting the 55 drop again when I went for six degrees. <laughs> They're right next to each other, and I almost, close you know, whatever. Okay. It is what so it is. So the walk. Uh, so one thing that you're going to hear right away on this album is the studio quality and production quality change. Like, it's pretty mm -hmm. dramatic, uh, and it's a super clean and polished sound to yeah. the point where I was like, is this sound too clean and polished for the Jaggers? Yeah, it's almost it like between much? 1970 and what 2020 is when the walk came out mm, 2014 2014 close enough it's almost like between those two times the recording quality and music stuff has changed yeah it is like we've that. hit digital but it's like we've gone digital yeah right and you can really hear that it's digital 100 um and you can really hear that the piano being used is definitely like a keyboard instead of an actual piano yeah that being said it's played really well mm -hmm. like this is the album where the musicianship is the strongest and it was like very strong from song to song. Um, the vocals were still sounding really good. The harmonies were still very strong. Um, it, it, there's a lot of good things to say about the musicianship, but, and I say this as a but, it's not bad. It sort of sounds like, I guess it's, it sounds like what it is. It sounds like if you got together a cover band of a bunch of guys in their 60s who were yeah. all really talented and were just like, hey, go play your set and we'll record it. And like they mm -hmm. played it perfectly and they nailed it. And it's just like a bunch of guys in that age range having a good time playing the songs that they like to play. And for that, it's it's really good. The album is really good for that. Like, I don't want to I'm not going to say anything negative about it. You know, like that's what it is. That's what it is to me. I think if you saw this as a performance from these guys or they were like a wedding band, you'd have a great time and it would be a lot of fun. Also, because every single week there's somebody who does this, they covered Having a Party, which is a Sam Cooke song, because everybody always covers Sam Cooke. Yeah, I have to. I'm not even going to push the button again. I am. I'm going to push the button again. I love Sam Cooke. Gotta always push We've never button. even done Sam Cooke on the, on the podcast. Yet, I'm pushing the button. Does his music. That he, everybody, too many times has he been covered. Everybody does his music. Everybody yeah. does. Well, music. can you ever have enough Sam? No. But we did mention, didn't we? It's we impossible. mentioned Sam Cooke in a nonlinear episode. Yeah, the top greatest vocalist of all time. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah, we mention we mention him all the time because he's an amazing person. Oh, and you know why we mentioned him? So much. We mentioned him off air too. You and I were discussing the potential of doing like music crimes. And oh like yeah, yeah, we, that's true. And like the like that scumbag manager of his that we think framed yes. framed oh, him. Oh yeah, that guy was crazy. Yeah, guys, look into that seriously, audience. Yeah, totem heads, look into that, please. Like that dude is nuts he has done some shady stuff and mm -hmm. we think one of them may have been getting a hit put out on sam cook and besmirching his his uh legacy yes you all know. right talk about this album and then let's grade him and we'll yeah go so here's here's my big takeaway one jimmy ross who was a member of the of the jaggers the entire time i almost said the rascals <laughs> i was a member yeah. of the jaggers yeah, well, yeah. the entire time had left the band when they split up and stuff. And so this album is the Jaggers featuring Jimmy Ross because he did not return. Yeah, well, it's it's hard to say because it says he's been back in the band the whole time, but it also says featuring him. It's weird. Yeah, so There's he There's conflicting actually, information. If you look on Jimmy Ross, if you look on his actual page, his last album with the Jaggers is 2001's Rewrapped by Request. 
Okay, fair enough. So after that, he was no longer a member. He'd really solo work he in just 2010. Came, right, but he came back and recorded the album once a group. Right. Even though, without being an official part of it. Okay. So all the things that you said ring true. Uh, it's good. It's It sounds like, you know, a, it sounds like a bunch of people doing covers of stuff, and it sounds pretty well done. There's one thing in the recording that I cannot confirm. I tried. I looked. I researched. It's very... It's. It sounds to me like... They went from singing in into a set, a set of microphones in the same room to singing and layering tracks individually, mm-hmm. in, sure. which is very common in the digital stuff. Yeah, and only really shows a difference if you're comparing it directly to that same group doing it analog. Mm-hmm. And it felt like there was something missing. It took me like that. three songs in to kind of figure out what I was hearing, and I was like, you know what? It sounds like they just sang their parts and then. Balanced right. and mastered them exactly. And to be clear, like the harmonies are still tight. They're it's still tight. They're really good. Difference between there's yeah. a difference between you don't get that play off each other. Right. You don't get to play exactly. off each other when you do that, which is fine. It's not bad. I. It's not a complaint. It was just I was trying to feel like what was missing because I felt like vocally yeah. they still sounded really good, Definitely. and I felt like song wise it wasn't any different. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. none of the songs by the Jaggers really stood out to me personally. They all sure. kind of were okay to good in terms of their overall quality and i think their vocals were strong but that's like the yeah. one thing that i would say that was a little different i agree uh, but right. let's grade them so obviously the jaggers are the biggest act of the day easy 10, Ten. move on all right moving on all right. but I'm in reality one hit wonder yeah, one they're a one hit wonder on. they get the one point for that and breath of work yes there are six records here so they are at um, the average right we went nobody to bought most together. of them yeah, I mean, The Rapper sold a million copies as right. a single. Hey, the Rapper as a single sold a million copies, and I think the band sold less than two million total records. That sounds about right. So there's really but, no, there's not a ton yeah, of sales sure. information. There's no certifications. Right. Music, I enjoyed it. I, it's I enjoyable. liked it. I thought it's, it was It's good. enjoyable. I, it was I would good. think it's a little bit forgettable. Uh, like, even you just talked about The Rascals. Like, as soon as you say The Rascals, Groovin jumps right into my head. Like, sure. it's... It, they're, even the rapper, their big hit doesn't hit me. Like Good Lovin', Groovin', like both of those songs by the Rascals, they're kind of comp yeah. in our world. I mean, it's it's slightly above a five because yeah. there's there's you know, six five, and there's one, good five, quality two. and then no sales, so it's like a five one. Done. Nothing to take uh, away. Instrumental talent, I also think is good, and I was happy to say was strongest on their last record. For uh, sure, the vocals were still really good, and the the playing on the last record was like really really good like the piano yeah. player was great the guitar was really good the saxophone sounded great uh everything was really good on the last record so i am curious, I'm definitively above average so it's it's not a negative mm-hmm. i'm not saying it to take away points but because there's really no liner notes that we i was i don't know if you were able to find any liner notes for for walk no, it's tough to find yeah much i'm curious if there was guest musicians or and they were just kind of a group singing and maybe playing the bass instruments okay. it's I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just curious because it did sound different in that in that case. Yeah, I mean there are, there are different people. There's a different guy who's the keyboardist. There's yeah. a different person who plays saxophone and trumpet. So the, I assume they're the ones who came in and played. They have an, an additional guitarist that helped fill out the sound. Yeah. I mean, listen, oh. you're probably I assume right. it was you're probably sound. right. I assume yeah. I just was like it, it made me think. Yeah. However, yeah, it's definitely an above average score. It's I would argue their highest score of the day. I would agree. Uh, it's it's not. In the stratosphere, though, I would be in the sixes. Yeah. I think I would agree. I would I would be in the sixes as well. I think they're just really solid, yeah. uh, and they've got some some areas where they excel. Let's give them a six four. Let's give them really a really uh, up there score for them. I think they deserve it. Songwriting here's the problem. Like I liked their songs. I think their songs were good. I think they pulled from a lot of different influences. Mm-hmm. But there's only you know one album where they're writing all the songs essentially, and the right. other albums are littered with covers. Um, so it's like, I'll give them, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say, if you pulled everything together, there's like two albums worth of stuff that they wrote on these six records. Yeah. And it's good. It's like, what would we give a good songwriting band that did only two records essentially? Um, maybe a two to me. That's probably like a two. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Uh, and then lyrically, lyrically, I'm, I'm in a similar boat, maybe even a little less because I felt like. Yep. Even in the stuff they wrote, like the lyrics weren't impressing me. Right. Uh, so maybe like they a weren't one and offending a half. me either. But yeah, but just in terms of subject yeah, matter, a lot of covers 
And then the stuff that was original, so maybe like one and a half. Agreed. Uh, was there any X factor here that you wanted to talk about? I I just I don't I don't think so. Very good. I'm I'm looking. I'm I'm trying to think, and I'm gonna say no. Okay, done. And I have scores for you, buddy. Let's do it. Uh, losing this week's episode. Oh. You loser. <laughs> and I know you feel bad. It it was the Jaggers. Um, but they yeah. managed a 16. Not bad. That's not bad for not bad. a lot of the stuff and that you brought know them what? down. They weren't the worst group to listen to this week. <laughs> uh, the spread between one and two is less than a point. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's see. Shocking. Who, let's see who won it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay. And winning this week, despite having by far the three worst albums to listen to, <laughs> was Bon Jovi. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be like I would have if I had to rank all nine albums I listened to, I would rank the three Bon Jovi albums seven, eight, and nine. That's fine. Week. That's fine. Um, but they won with a thirty-five point nine. Tracy Chapman, though, coming up out of nowhere to get a thirty-five point three wow. to really give Bon Jovi a run for their money Seriously. because of how talented she is. And that I mean that speaks volumes to the songwriting right there. You, you know, because I feel like Bon Jovi had the clear edge in the early game, more albums. Yep. More exactly sales, more cultural impact, but their kind of their weaknesses and specifically the lyrics. Yep, you know that pulls you down just enough, just enough. Yes, it does. So, uh, shout out to uh, Tracy Chapman for making it close. Congratulations 100%. to Bon Jovi for winning. Your trophy is in the mail yep. uh, as it's long as you way. give us your personal address, and I promise right, which... we won't show up and ask for music advice. Or yeah, just yeah. I, some... I also promise that we won't need any advice. Well, maybe, <laughs> Nick, signed instruments, though, man. We could, we could sell sure, that. Yeah, yeah. We could right, sell that okay. and then maybe not have to rely as much on our lovely podcast listener support available through That's Anchor. true. Well done. Very smooth. Thank you. Thank you now, very much. I'll tell you this. If you loved Tracy Chapman the way that we did this week, we've got an artist very, very similar uh, coming up next week with Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Before, like, you're like, wait, who bef- is that? As soon as you said what you said, I was like, I know where you're going. I was like, I know who you're about to say. Yeah, it's Pantera. <laughs> it's Pantera. Uh, but thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us again, guys. Thank you for for tuning in each and every week. Your support means the world to us. Uh, we can't wait to to continue our uh, musical journey to find the greatest of all time. And yeah. eventually pit the surviving members of the top five bands in a battle royale to the death. I would really enjoy that, especially because by the time we finish this, no one will be alive, including ourselves. So. <laughs> That's true. It'll just be it'll just be like the various estates of the top five bands. Yeah, exactly. And artists and our estates who who continue our work afterwards. That's true. That's true. <sighs> Goodbye, everyone. I'm gonna I'm gonna play the outro. Adios. Is there anything fun for you to say, Nick? Do you have anything fun to, to tune out with? Yeah, of course. And I'm going to say it right now. Great. That was really hilarious. That was the greatest thing you said all day. I'm really happy for that. But everybody, stay safe, stay warm, have a great day. <laughs>